Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Kevin, what did we just watch? We have watched The Freak, which was an episode of the television program Boomtown. So my question to you is, what the devil is Boomtown? <laughs> I'll also add, uh, just maybe this is important context later, but uh, this episode came out November 3rd, 2002. The sixth episode of the first season of Boomtown. What is this Boomtown you speak of? What is this Boomtown everyone's talking about? Does it have anything to do with the Boomtown rats? <laughs> Well, I don't like Mondays, but I don't think so. Uh, it, 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 it. Uh, how do you explain Boomtown? Uh, Boomtown was the show, a police procedural, 
that came out in 2002. It barely hung on for a season and then had a few episodes of a second season before being canceled. It's frequently cited, or not frequently, what am I talking about? It's occasionally, it was <laughs> cited a few times. Um, it was mentioned once or twice in passing. Mentioned one or, once or twice, <laughs> twice in passing as like a, a promising show of 2002 that was canceled too soon. And what people frequently bring up about it is its use in the pilot and maybe in a few episodes of non-linear storytelling. Instead of following, you know, like in SVU, you follow the detectives and you see what happens. Maybe occasionally you go to the victims. In this, you're seeing it from the perspective of the cops, the DA, a reporter, EMTs, victims, and perpetrators. You're seeing different aspects of a situation. And, and not necessarily in a linear order. So it'd be like if they were telling a story about Anya and I having dinner, maybe they start out with a, a black card saying, Anya, you see her making the dinner. And then we see a black card saying grocery clerk. <laughs> and then we cut back and we see the grocery clerk stocking the items in the grocery store. And he says, oh, look, here's somebody coming to buy this, this spaghetti. And then it's Anya buying the spaghetti. And then we cut to Kevin. Kevin saying, oh, this is good spaghetti. So it, it's the stories itself may not be all that original or fresh, but it the way they were told from different points of view, sometimes in different order, could be interesting. What was the what was the name of the Japanese movie that kind of Rashomon? Rashomon. So it's a, it's that kind of style of storytelling, and uh, and it feels uh, when when you kind of chop up the ingredients in a different way and mix them up, maybe the recipe feels a little more fresh, right? Yeah, and so we, I think it's fair to say we have a lot to say about this show and whether or not it it actually deserves this reputation as a quality show and whether or not it lived up to its storytelling uh, goals throughout the first season. I think we're going to do an episode at some point covering the entire first season. But stop the presses. We watched this one episode of the show that deserves, nay, demands to be commented on and discussed now. Boomtown Breakout, The Freak. Also, this show has bewitched us, body and soul, to quote the Jane Austen movie. Um, the, 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 we've gone so insane watching this show that we actually are going to do that a season-wide episode where we just talk about the season. Because this show is insane. We can't stop talking about it. We So we need to talk about it with you guys, even though, like, what, like two people in America watched this show in 2002? Anya shakes me awake in the middle of the night and says, well, what about Fearless in the, oh, the seventh episode? Jesus Christ. This show is insane. I can't believe I never heard about it before. Uh, I It's it's something else. Boomtown. It's something. The whole it, Even the name tells you it's going to be. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be Boomtown. It's going to be nuts. I just, I I honestly don't know what to say. The, this, but I, I think Kevin set it up well. It, it was supposed to be sort of innovative uh maybe a little more prestige than your average network cop show that's that's how it was kind of uh pitched and and and, and started so we will save some of our chat on the general show for uh, and, and a new episode. I think all the episodes are available on YouTube which we did not know until after we uh spent ten dollars on a DVD at half price books <laughs> in this particular episode we're going to discuss I think we saw it for the first time. Two weeks ago, we couldn't stop talking about it. I think we watched it for the second time with commentary, like maybe two days ago. And just moments ago, we just zipped through it again. 
uh, stopping to linger on uh, certain scenes. So I think what we, uh, what, without getting too much into the general season, think about uh, prestige uh, non-linear storytelling on network TV for a police procedural. And, and that's what you have to keep in mind for the episodes preceding this one. This one's a little <coughs> different. <laughs> in this one... The folks, uh, I think we need. I think we need to describe the cold open. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it something you want to bring up? No, I, the I cold think open? You know, I think this. The cold, I think the cold the, open yeah. needs to be discussed and dispensed with as quickly as yeah, possible. Yeah, because the cold open starts with a splash. <laughs> so one thing Boomtown did, like many shows do, is they try to start with a bit a dramatic. Or an interesting moment to catch your attention. But one thing that's different with Boomtown is that sometimes these opening moments have almost nothing to do with the rest of the program. Jack shit to do with anything ever again. This one starts with uh, two Midwestern guys. Corn-fed boys. In a hot tub in Los Angeles talking about how they're going to, they're having fun in LA. The women love them. They're living high on the hog. Fair to say, they're having a field day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what happens next? <laughs> do they get, do, are they the victims of a crime? Does someone try to rob them in the hot tub? Do, does one of them have I'd a, watch that show. Does one of them die in the hot tub? What happens? I'd love to see them get robbed in the hot tub. No, what happens is that suddenly from the sky, uh, a dead body falls from out of nowhere into the tub. <laughs> they start screaming. They start splashing it with water. Like, like a water fight. <laughs> a water fight's going to keep this thing away. And then boom, the music, the haunting opening theme. I can't do the song, but it, it's really inspiring. It the, the song tells you, the song, it's like this kind of big trumpet thing. The song tells you this is a show that takes itself extremely seriously. Very earnest. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, before Anya and I watched this show for the second time, I said, is this the one with the hot tub scene? And she said, no. Nah. That, that doesn't fit into this episode. That doesn't fit with the, the dignity and the decorum of the freak. But no, it was. It, it was. It was a freak accident. <laughs> and then it goes from that into another story. Should, should, uh, should we? I think we, I think we should finish up the hot yeah, tub Yeah, I story. think we need to get out of this hot tub before we get some sort of infection because it, it, it literally adds nothing. We heard the commentary. The creators were talking about how, like, haha, this adds some levity to the very serious uh, rest of the episode. No, it's just totally schizophrenic. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. It just it it goes nowhere. It adds nothing. It's just stupid. It's like it's like a character trying to act seriously while wearing the dumbest hat possible. That's what we're, this which is. might happen later in the episode. This is a yeah. This is the <laughs> this is a fucking hat. This is a dumb hat. You can't take your eyes off a hat. And they're trying to get you to take them seriously. And you're like, no, I just am looking at your hat. Uh, th this whole plot is maybe given like maybe five minutes total, six minutes total in the whole episode. And it's tossed off to the two patrol cops who are characters. And normally they're doing footwork for the detectives. But in this case, they're just doing the hot tub thing. So what? what's the hot tub conclusion? Do you just, just yeah, cut to the chase? Take us on the hot tub time machine. Uh, so this man, so this guy dated a girl, the girl then goes off with another man, uh, and the, the, the man who's, who's lost the girl to, <laughs> the guy who subsequently dies gets the girl. 
he was friends with the guy, with the guy he stole. Why don't you call the the nerdy guy and the dead guy and the dead guy? Okay, so the nerdy guy is friends with the dead guy. The dead guy gets the girl, and so the nerdy guy has some resentment over that. But he remembers that at some point in their previous friendship, uh, the dead guy says, "If I ever die, you need to shoot my body out of a cannon." So the dead guy then dies. So the nerdy guy steals his body and shoots it out of a cannon and it misfires and goes into a hot tub. And the girl he lost is impressed by this. You know, he just meant it as a joke, she says. But you know what? You did it. Boom, end of story. That's the end of the hot tub stuff. Boom town. Boom town, bitch. You just got boom towned. Just got boomed. (laughs) Out of a cannon. Into a hot tub instead of the sea. I just... What, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> yeah, we, we've, we've spent like, yeah. We this spent is a lot all of time I've been it. thinking about. This is all, I can't do my job. I can't, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I've just been thinking about the freak episode. And that's the opening. How many hours of our lives have we spent discussing the freak episode? <laughs> a thousand? We look like we've aged 10 years. And I think it's because of the freak. Because we're not even. We just told you about the hot tub. So you're probably sitting there thinking, what the fuck are y'all on? But like, that wasn't, it's going to get crazier. Because again, this was, this was a show posing as prestige police drama. You know, maybe there's some levity. Maybe there's some quirks. Don't get me wrong. They always had the humor. They always had the quirks. But like, they want you to take it seriously. These are cops. These are detectives. These are prosecutors doing their goddamn jobs in the city of Los Angeles. And they're going to give it to you gritty. They're going to give it to you nonlinear, and you're going to like it, but... It was like the Bosch of its day. The Bosch. Kevin's obsessed with Bosch. Well-known Bosch fan, so that means a lot coming from him. (laughs) So the story proper starts with uh, in a restaurant, which is kind of a focus of another podcast we do. Murder Sheet. Listen uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to sound really appealing after we say what we say about the freak. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Great promo. Like, I'm going to unsubscribe to both. <laughs> uh, so there's this guy in a restaurant and he's talking with another guy. And then suddenly. No, no, no. no. Let me, you don't even. You're so frazzled. You're so frazzled by the freak. You don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. The restaurant owner. I have to live with this. This is what I've been putting up with for the last two weeks. <laughs> you got it. If you're going to talk about the freak, you got to. Oh, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Got to be specific. People need to picture she's, this in she's, their she, minds. She's not on cocaine, folks. She just watched a few minutes of The Freak, <laughs> and this is what it's done to her. <laughs> this is your mind on Boomtown. Um, okay. They're... Boomtown! <laughs> Speaking of cocaine, uh, <laughs> there is a bald Russian mobster sitting at the restaurant, okay? And there is the frazzled owner of the restaurant talking to him, be- desperately begging him for money. Alone. Desperately. Desperate. He's desperate. Okay. He wants to open a gym. There's a little girl whose mom works at the restaurant. You know, it's a young mother, you know, 10 year old girl. And the 10 year old girl is helping her mom do stuff at the restaurant. So she goes up to, you know, take the plates off the, the mobsters uh, table. And he gives her a really nice t- tip. He like gives her a pat on the cheek. What a nice man. Lovely guy. Then he shoots the frazzled restaurant owner in front of everybody. Including the little girl. Including the little girl. She witnesses it. And then we cut to now uh, the police and the paramedics are on the scene. And one of the paramedics uh, is a regular character named Teresa. 
And one of the detectives is a detective named Joel, who's played by New Kid on the Block, Donnie Wahlberg. I, was he a New Kid on the Block? He was a fucking New Kid on the Block. So he, the Marky Mark was Marky Mark. <laughs> right? You do some kind of beat poetry. <laughs> Marky Mark was Marky Mark, right? Anya was Anya. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! Kevin was Kevin. <laughs> you suck. What, wait, what's his name? Donnie Wahlberg, Donnie. former new kid on the block. I just think of him as Joel now. Yeah, you're right. He was. Yeah, what a shock. <laughs> I'm right. Jesus, this is what I've been putting up with, folks. Anything I say, you can't. You can't trust anything. Look it up. You can't trust. You can't trust anything anyone says about this, this episode. This show has wrecked her faith in everything. <laughs> she has to double check everything. It's true. Even something as simple and as basic as who was in the new kids on the block. Which every school child knows. <laughs> oh, God, it's true. So, Donnie Wahlberg, former new kid on the block, as has been verified. Jesus Christ. He plays a detective named Joel, and he's on the scene, and he's talking with this uh, paramedic named Teresa. And she says, oh, you know, I, I worked a case here earlier involving a Russian mobster and uh, all the fingerprints were missing because they cut off their fingers. He's, oh, you know why they did that, didn't you? It's because they didn't want them to be identified. It's like these guys are flirting over the details of a graphic murder and it feels like it's stealing our story. <laughs> the copyright infringed us. <laughs> flirting about murder? That's... uh. That's sounds tasteless. Pretty, sounds pretty familiar. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with us? It's really sad that we could see ourselves in Boomtown characters. I feel like we should just like walk into the sea having realized that. <laughs> Perhaps this should be a lost episode. I know, of, maybe, <laughs> maybe. History to me. God, it's like an existential crisis going on here. Um, and and then another detective, uh, Joel's partner, uh, Detective Bobby Smith a.k.a. Fearless, shows up. He's this very charismatic, cool guy detective. You know, we, we've seen him in the previous episodes, and he's, how would you say, like, Joel is kind of the tortured, quiet one, and Fearless so is fearless, the charismatic fearless, guy. Fearless is ridiculously cool, ridiculously colorful, ridiculously perfect, ridiculously charismatic. I mean, if you don't admire and love this man, there's something wrong with you. He's played by McKelty Williamson, who... who once I'm, stabbed a man. Yeah, he did stab a man. But he, you know, he, he has charisma, so he, he makes it work. But the writing really, really, really wants you to think this guy is so cool. He's basically the only... I mean, like, he's one of the only characters I feel... Either either the characters are totally underdeveloped or they're a little bit more developed. He's he, he, They spend a lot of time with him, but you don't really feel like he has any flaws. He's kind of just perfect. He's out there kicking ass. Being funny, taking names, and sometimes it feels a little. They bit love bad. this guy. They love this guy. He was a character that was actually written prior to Boomtown being picked up, so you can tell he's kind of like a favorite child, uh, in terms of the characters. Like sometimes creators have that kind of favorite character that they keep going back to, and they really want you to think he's cool, and it's very obvious. And that is this. That is fearless for this series. The actor is great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, I just wish he'd been given some more complicated uh, 
scripts. He's really good, and you feel like I feel like he would have hit it out of the park with a more complicated character or a more complicated script. But instead, he's just kind of like the cool, kick-ass guy who can do no wrong. That's what it feels like. So he shows up, and he realizes that this little girl witnessed something, and he wants the girl to testify, or he wants the girl to give information about what she saw. And the girl's mother is understandably very reluctant. The girl's mother is named Katrina. The little girl is named Laura. And Katrina's Russian as well. And Katrina says, you know, if the, my daughter Laura has to testify, the Russians are going to kill her. And Fearless says uh, she doesn't have to testify. And the mother, Katrina, says, how can I trust you? Oh, and then at this point, Teresa, the paramedic, steps up and says, well, you can trust him because he's such a good man. And this is the kind of show it is. Whenever Fearless needs someone to vouch for him, they do. Everybody loves Fearless. Boomtown! Boomtown, bitch! That's Boomtown. Forget it, Jake, it's Boomtown! <laughs> we've really lost it. It's really, really... We're a few minutes into this and we've already fucking lost it. Um, For the last couple of weeks, a glimpse into our private life, Anya and I have made numerous references to this particular episode as we live our lives. Boomtown. It'll get in your head. It's haunting. You can never go home from Boomtown. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and uh, they, they bring the little girl down to the station with her mom to take her statement, assuring her that she's not going to have to testify against the mobster. They just want to have a lead to go on. And uh, David McNorris, uh, who uh, is played by that guy with the really blue eyes, Neil McDonough. Um, uh, uh He's the very intense district attorney. No, he's he's an he's an ADA, babe. He's an ADA. He really wants to, the girl to testify. Uh, yeah. And that's pretty much it. So the detectives are like, well, you know, you might sleep at night knowing a little girl could be killed, but we can't. And he's like, well, I have to do my job and like all this bullshit. I, I you can write that those dialogue scenes. Yeah, you can you can do that at home. It's very basic. In the privacy of your own home. I don't really with your loved ones. I would actually like love to hear like from like actual cops and prosecutors like if they've ever been in a situation like this. But it feels like one of those things that happens a shit ton on TV where it's like the cops are like I have to protect my witness and the prosecutor's like we're gonna put him on the stand to put the bad guys away and that's a big conflict that happens a lot in TV. I really don't feel like it happens ever in real life. Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm not speaking from a. There are witness protection programs. Yeah, there's literally a witness protection program for this, and it just feels like one of those kind of like forced drama things that don't really smell right to me. Boomtown. Boomtown, bitch. That's that's what you're getting here. You're in Boomtown now. That's what they're serving down the menu. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Boomtown. Um. So. <laughs> It is a, I, I can't say bitch. <laughs> what can't I, you, I can't say boomtown bitch. Because <laughs> people are going to think you're talking to me? Yeah. If I, if I say, oh, you don't have my Anya, you know, she's my boomtown bitch. I'm going to sound like a monster. <laughs> so that's definitely staying in the episode. <laughs> Could send people around like, my husband treats me like a queen, and then cuts to you being like, boomtown bitch. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, now, now one thing we'll note that throughout this whole time, and this is going to be important later, so listen up, buckle up, Fearless keeps on looking off in the distance meaningfully. Thousand yard stare, 
people have to be like, hey, everything okay? And then he looks back at them and acts like everything's okay. But think about that. Just that's happening. I bet if we see these scenes again from his hmm. perspective, maybe we'll get some more information. I wonder if it has something to do with a tragic story from his past. Hmm. Much to think about. If, if it did, that'd be pretty freaky. That's a hint! I can't even whistle. My my mouth is so dry talking about this. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, Fearless and Joel question the mobster who has all these badass tattoos and is very threatening and is very like, yeah, I'm a you know I'm a Russian mobster. And this was another thing I was asking you, Kevin. I'm like, is the is the Russian mob this like well connected and bad? I don't know. I feel like TV has led me to believe that they're the most dangerous ones and they're gonna come kick your ass and doing everything. But like, I'd be curious to know if that's actually true. I feel like I've been fed a lot of stuff by TV that I assume to be true, and then I never question it. So, and I gotta tell you, I'm all for getting through these Russian interrogation scenes as quickly as possible because they are textbook cliched scenes where cops are interviewing some tough guys and they're making threats to him and he's making threats to them and you've seen it all before and they say oh you better not do anything to our witnesses oh maybe i will maybe i will do something to your witness i don't make threats i make promises oh you better not do anything to our witness you've seen this scene it's dull prestige drama boomtown it's doing these scenes not very interesting and then they blow up the witness (laughs) Yeah, then we cut to the place where the witness, uh, Laura, lived with uh, Katrina. Blows up. Blows the fuck up. We see people remove two body bags, and then Fearless is there, and he sees the mops, the Russian mafia Who's guy. just, like, hanging around across the street for some reason. And, again, this is a scene you've seen many times. He runs up and's like, you're a dead man, and they're fighting. And then Joel, Donnie Wahlberg. Is he a member of New Kids on the Block? I don't think so. I think he's the old kids on the street. <laughs> he pulls Fearless off him, and he leads him away and says, oh, good job. And of course, of course, of course, it was a hoax. They, they, they took Laura and Katrina out of there, and they're just making, they want to make the mobsters think that they killed them. Blah, 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 blah. So they're blah. hiding in a motel. It was all a ruse to fool the Russian gangsters. And they're hiding them in the motel where Fearless lives. Because Fearless, because he's quirky. He's a little bit different. Yeah, has a he has a bucket list. Can you imagine that? What a freak. Oh, is that is that oh. foreshadowing? <laughs> oh, oh. He lives in a hotel. Because he doesn't he doesn't have roots. He doesn't want to settle down anywhere. He's He's always moving. He has a he has a different way about thinking about life that uh you know maybe most people who uh you know who weren't in the military don't understand and uh you know that might come into play later. Now, what hotel would you live in, Anya? If you had to live in a hotel, I always I feel like I always enjoy like a Best Western, but I mean that would get really well, that's that's sad. Wouldn't that get expensive very quickly? Best Western is that like pretty low scale, low well, rent? Oh, well, I can't afford a fancy hotel. You said you want to live in just a low rent. Do you want me to pay? Do you want me to pay like three hundred dollars a night to live in a place? I, I would run out of this, money this, immediately. This isn't going to happen. We're just we're just having fun here. So your big face. Oh, if I could live in any hotel in the whole world. Okay, well, Kevin, I'll live in the best western off the highway. Well, I want you. You should. Jesus. You should live in that hotel in Canada where you flooded the whole fucking place. See how that goes for you. I have no idea your what you're big, talking about. Your big bathtub explosion. Yeah, we know what we know what happened there. Tell them the story. Kevin once uh 
went to a hotel in Canada and <laughs> used the bathtub. <laughs> it flooded the floor. <laughs> and there was, they had to set, they had to like evacuate. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. There were leaky pipes. And so the lobby got flooded. And then I, I was upgraded to a better room. They rewarded you for your malfeasance. I mean, it's very sad that your deepest fancy of any hotel in the whole world, you pick a Best Western. What, what's your hotel? What, what, what hotel are you going to live at after I kick you out after this? <laughs> Maybe a five-star hotel on uh, Park Avenue in New York. Oh, okay, Eloise. <laughs> and you, you, meanwhile, are living in the middle of the country off a highway exit at a Best Western. Or the few Best Westerns You're still exist. You're not going to have the money to pay the bill for the fucking Park Avenue Hotel. This is all hypothetical. <laughs> I like to plan accordingly, okay? What a sad life you lead. <laughs> it's been sad ever since you introduced me to fucking Boomtown. <laughs> oh, Anya, this is like, it was a really good show. I remember it being a good show when it got canceled. But this, <laughs> but this says something about us, I think, because to me, you're my five-star hotel on Park Avenue. Aww. That's why I'm with you. Aww. And to you, you look at me and you see a Best Western. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why don't you shut up? <laughs> you're not my Best Western. You're my fancy Bermuda hotel. Uh -huh. You're my Southampton princess. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, back into the battle. Uh, there, there, I mean, I don't know. Do we get into the freak now? Is that what we do? I, I don't see any way around it. Okay. We're going to talk about the freak. So everyone just sit down, take a drink of water. <laughs> I was trying to avoid it with that hotel talk. I know. You were you were, you were uh, stalling. If you were a tree, what kind of tree? Would oh, you let's be? just go. <laughs> let's just bite the bullet here. No pun intended. So the freak turns out the freak the uh, the the titular character of the. Episode. So it turns out that all those moments when Fearless was looking off in the distance as music played, uh, he was seeing, I guess, the ghost of one of his dead military buddies who was also a man of color acting like a cliche from a minstrel show. He'd be like smiling and mugging and dancing. It's it's harsh, but true. The character very much feels like uh, a, a person of color, a black man written by white people. And so in the last few weeks, there have been many times I've been out in public with Anya where she'll start humming the music and I'll turn and look at her and she'll start doing a little dance. Yes, it's very silly. And they kind of were like trying to maybe cut some of the solemnity with humor, but I think it doesn't work at all tonally, and it looks ridiculous. And it turns out he is an example of the, uh, the trope of the magical Negro, because it turns out he was giving Fearless back in their days in the Iraq War a lot of uh, life advice, helping Fearless be a better man. It's it's the only thing that really saves it from being too much of that trope is just the fact that fearless is also black so that makes it to me slightly less offensive like if, if fearless had been white or he'd been giving like joel advice or something i mean i would it would just be the most cringeworthy thing you've ever fucking seen i mean it's 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 pretty bad 
He literally, he literally just spouts, he doesn't have dialogue, he just spouts, spouts out platitudes about, like, carpe diem, and, like, seize the moment, you gotta loosen up, smile a bit, dance while, like, no one's watching, and you're like, why? Why, why do you talk like you are a throw pillow or wall art in a really shallow, cliched white woman's house? Why do you talk like that? It's ridiculous! And here's the gut punch. Here's, here's the, the bit of information that makes Anya cry like a baby on Christmas morning. Oh, Jesus. It, it turns out that uh, the freak, which is his, this person's freak name. Freak Town is his nickname. His Christian name is the freak. <laughs> <laughs> when he was in Iraq with uh, Fearless, he made Fearless promise to protect him. Subsequently, the freak and Fearless go out on a mission. A sniper in the distance targets Fearless's head. Fearless at that moment leans down to tie his shoe. And so the bullet meant for Fearless hits and kills the freak. And so Fearless is tormented with guilt. And so he makes comments to Joel saying, I remember freak. I didn't keep my promise to freak. but Now I promise to protect this girl. So maybe if I can do that, maybe. Maybe I can have some peace. The freak will stop haunting me. But you know what? You know what, Fearless? The freak will never stop stop haunting the viewers, like me and Kevin. That's going to last forever, so. Good good luck! <laughs> Jesus. I mean, and, and oh, I mean, like, I mean, there's this cringe shit. I mean, the freak is going around singing. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. He's like, he's like a manic pixie dream guy. Manic pixie dream soldier. And he's smiling broadly and dancing. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of really funny, charismatic, interesting soldiers and like people have anecdotes from being in war with people like that. And maybe even some of those people die horribly and they like remember them. But this just feels so over the top and cliched. Like I wouldn't, if I were somehow in a war, I wouldn't act like this because that's the person who always gets killed. The guy who gives life advice, the guy who's funny, the guy who's silly to this extent. It's just too much. And because this is a TV show with a budget, the only people with dialogue in the war flashbacks are the freak and fearless. And I think I wondered, what did other soldiers think of the relationship between freak and fearless? They seem to be together all the time. Uh, fearless would be walking off and, and freak stays behind singing to him. Yeah, the, he calls him General George. He... He, he, like, hangs up pictures of meat instead of women because he's so quirky. It's so, it's so over the top. You know the other so the soldiers are like, we need to stay away from Freaktown because he's literally going to get killed in two minutes because this, he's acting like the war movie character who gets killed. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be around that when shit goes down. I don't want to be around it even in peacetime. He's so over the top. It's so over the top. It's just neat. Like, just tone it down several notches and maybe something can work here. But it's too much. It's way too much. It becomes min minstrelly. It becomes just ridiculous. You can't take it seriously. A guy lost his life and I'm just looking here like rolling my eyes. I swear to God, I'm not that heartless normally. But in this well. case, it's so ridiculous. Fuck you. <laughs> You're a pretty cold fish. Fuck you that's all i have to say to you sir good lord anyone would be a cold fish after watching this but i'm also like tickled by it because it's so outrageous because we're not even at the craziest part here 
See, I'm gonna give a little preview. I'm gonna live, I'm gonna give them a little preview. Should we, should no, we just get to no, the crazy let part? Me, no, let me explain. Let me give a thesis. This fancy prestige drama is about to become a fucking diehard film. <laughs> Have you ever watched Die Hard and, and thought to yourself, if only this were made on a TV show budget with really bad choreography and action sequences, then you're in luck. <laughs> oh, God. So, <laughs> Fearless goes to the hotel where he lives, and now Laura and Katrina are staying there, too. And for security purposes, they've cleared out, like, a wing of the hotel. Because, but not, they haven't done it. They haven't added any guards. They've just cleared the place out. That's odd. And the clerk uh, says, oh, Fearless, you got a call. So Fearless goes down to the lobby and takes a call. And it's from like somebody, some office somewhere that says, oh, we got a call. Somebody asking about the alleged bodies recovered. And so Fearless realizes that this means that the Russian mob is onto them, realizes they faked their deaths, and that. They must, therefore, be immediately coming to this hotel for a big action scene. And so he calls uh, his buddies to come in and back him up, and he grabs a gun, and he starts, you, know, you take it from here. Uh, you see a line of cars uh, pull up to the motel, and as, as one of the creators of the show said in the commentary, you know, they're not there for a funeral. And uh, uh, Fearless grabs this rifle from the motel owner, and starts uh, a gun battle with these guys. He starts shooting at them, and they start shooting back. And we are treated to extended sequences of uh, Fearless uh, shooting his way through the walls of various motel rooms, uh, moving, moving around, running around, shooting the bad guys, shooting the goons. Uh, at, at some point, he finds the little girl, uh, her mom is missing at this point. Wonder where she is. Uh, and uh, he gets onto the roof with the little girl. Uh, people are shooting at them through the through the ceiling, through the roof. And uh, things are just getting fucking buck wild. But he, he sees his partner, Donnie Wahlberg. Where do I know Donnie Wahlberg from? Backstreet Boys? Uh, he pulls up and so uh, in a car and so Fearless takes the girl and throws her off the roof and Donnie Wahlberg catches her and drives her off to safety. To a, to a New Kids on the Block concert <laughs> as a treat. <laughs> and then Fearless now has both arms free so he has a gun in each arm Yeah, and he uh, jumps off the roof firing them both wildly in all directions. And let me just be clear. This scene goes on forever. You're watching this man falling, shooting two guns in the air, guns akimbo, bullets flying, people screaming, throughout, you know, descending into this motel parking lot where he falls on a car and rolls off. And, you know, if I jumped off the roof with <laughs> two guns going, don't you think I'd break a leg? I think you'd accidentally shoot yourself in the head. <laughs> That's what I think would happen. And that'd be the end of the episode. <laughs> Boom town. Boom town, bitches. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you're watching this and it's like two episodes ago. I was thinking, hey, this is like kind of quirky series. It's not perfect. Some things are really overly earnest and cheesy, but there's a promise here. 
there's a there's a there's a core the actors are doing a great job pretty consistently with the characters and there's a core of intelligence and like interest here that maybe could bloom didn't you tell me that on twitter or somewhere you saw somebody make the audacious claim that Boomtown was even better than The Wire. Yeah, they're like, Boomtown and The Wire, the same thing. And I've never seen The Wire, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's wrong. <laughs> She's hysterical. You're weeping. <laughs> I don't know how that can be true. A lot of people I really respect have recommended The Wire to me. I don't know how that could be true. It's okay, baby. It's okay. Th- I don't think anyone jumped off a roof with two guns shooting in the wire. That's like the biggest action cliche ever. And isn't it like it? I I I don't know. I don't know guns, but I'm pretty sure that's kind of hard to do. And it would probably just be better if you had one gun at one time so you can aim. Well, isn't it a good idea to aim a weapon before you fire it? And also, didn't he just call for backup? So who knows? Maybe some cops have already arrived. If he's just firing guns wildly as he falls, to, who knows who he's going to shoot? It's so embarrassing. Plus, the the mother is missing at this point. Maybe she ducks out just as he's falling, and he accidentally shoots her. It's just risky. It's, it's just it. It just it's like there's ways to choreograph. I it like if you're trying to go with prestige kind of interesting cop drama. You know, I think you need to just be a little quieter than this. I think you need, you can have big shootouts, but maybe try to do your research and make them a little bit realistic and not have it be like, I'm, I'm fucking, you know, John McClane and I'm going to go shoot so him I'm, around. Is there an example of a shootout that you thought was done in a realistic prestige way? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I think it's one of those things like, you know, when you're seeing something that's just bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And it's not just about, it's not just about, like, being realistic. Because let's be honest, like, you know, it's TV, it's movies. But it's about, it's about feeling natural. It's about feeling uh, uncliched. And when I'm seeing a man falling multiple stories with two guns out shooting, I know I've seen that a million times before. And I know I've been, I'm being fed a crock of shit. You know, so that's, it's, it's, it's a cliche. It's ridiculous. It looks silly. It looks stupid. But one thing you haven't seen... But I also fucking love it! (laughs) (laughs) One thing you haven't seen is a detective seeing a minstrel ghost. That was upsetting. Yeah, the freak was upsetting just because it was like, this feels... I feel weird watching this. I feel uncomfortable watching this. The show at its best takes chances, most of which don't pay off, but they're not dull. But you respect the chances. And this was a chance. I'll give them credit. Doing a random action movie episode so early in your season without any sort of warning was quite a fucking move. That was a, that was a move. I'll and, give that. I'll give it credit. And need I say we've come a long way from the beginning of the episode with the dead body in the hot tub. Yeah, we were just. You guys were thinking, oh, that's you know, sounds kind of weird. But I'm sure I've seen weirder shit in SVU. But <laughs> this is just this is just crazy. Um, so uh, basically. This turns into a standoff. Uh, Fearless finds one of the Russian guys. He puts a gun to his... Well, in the commentary, we learned that they were not allowed to put guns to the heads of other characters. So Fearless puts a gun to the neck of this Russian guy, and he leads them into a hotel lobby where the main Russian mobster is holding the mother hostage with a gun to her neck. 
what happens? Um, there's a couple, there's some cliche dialogue where it's like, let her go. No, da, 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 da. I don't care about my mook getting killed. I don't care about the goon. And then Fearless shoots the Russian mobster. The main Russian mobster. The main Russian mobster. The mother is saved. And he tells the surviving guy he just held hostage to tell his friends. So he saves the day. He What a hero. He's a hero. And like, I don't know. There was something watching watching this episode. I'm going to say this. I'm going to sound sappy for a second. But like, you could tell that these writers fucking loved Fearless. You know what I mean? It was like watching a little kid like t- talk about their dad. And like, my daddy's a superhero. He's going to jump off the building and save the day and punch all the bad guys. And it was like that. It was, And so, like, I, I, ca- I kind of maybe feel a little bit tender towards this episode because, like, th- it was made with, like, a certain amount of love. And I respect that, even though it's really silly, cliched, and cheesy. So, I and I, and I really will say, like, the actor Williamson playing uh, Fearless is excellent. Like he brings a weird gravitas to the role where you're almost like, yeah, he is cool. He, I could kind of see this happening, but then you're like, go back to reality. And you're like, this is ridiculous. So like, I feel like if they'd really given him a little bit more subtlety in the writing, a little bit more, you could have exciting excitement and action without relying on such cliches. Maybe he could have done a lot more with this, but so, I mean, I'm going to say, so, I'm, it's not just that we hate this episode or anything. Like, there's a lot to like about it. Because <laughs> it's, like, just a good name. It's, like, a big dumb dog that you just want to have fun with, right? It's running around. You're throwing the Frisbee. It's a dumb dog. It's it's doing dumb shit. But you're kind of like, I respect you. <laughs> and everybody loves Fearless. So, at the end of the episode, he we hear the music playing. He looks up and he sees the freak making goofy faces up on the roof of the hotel. So he goes up there to talk to the free. Oh, not before Donnie Wahlberg t- tells him, uh, hope you find some peace, brah. <laughs> so he goes up there. Donnie Wahlberg? Who's that? He was the sync lead. Ah. So he goes up on the roof to talk with the freak, and he says, freak, you know, I feel really bad that uh, I didn't protect you and let you get killed. And the freak, he loves Fearless just like everybody else does. He says, oh, yeah, sure. You're supposed to protect me, and I got killed. But hey, how could I blame you for that? You're fearless. I love you, man. And he says the real reason I came back was you were supposed to sing me a song on my birthday. And so then, uh, fearless starts singing a song as Donnie Wahlberg looks on. <laughs> what did I say to you as Donnie Wahlberg? And also, be singing. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Call back to the uh, what the freak was singing earlier. What did I say to you while we see J- J- Joel watch Fearless sing to himself on the roof to a to a person who's not there? What did I say to you about what Joel looked like? You said that that's the way I look at you when you do something silly. No, no, that's <laughs> not true. That's- I'm just happy you're happy, Kevin. Kevin, not. Bullshit. I said to you, that's the look. So good night, folks. That's the look. Boomtown. That's the look I give Kevin when Kevin's doing some dumb shit I don't understand. But I'm like happy he's happy. It was that kind of like you're smiling kind of softly at first. Maybe you shows like maybe you grin a little bit. And then you kind of go back to smiling softly. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but good for you, sweetie. What kind of silly stuff do I do that you don't understand? Ke- a lot. <laughs> Can't even name one example. A lot that can't be mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just like dumb shit, 
express and I'm just smiling there like Joel and you're on the roof singing I can see clearly now the rain is gone that's the dynamic normally I'd say you're Joel and I'm fearless but that's one situation where I related to Joel (laughs) I don't know what's going on but I hope it's for the best (laughs) oh god what did you what did you I gave my whole like weird sappy take on this what did you think of the episode uh, it was an interesting failure. It really made me cringe. Their love for Fearless kind of uh, warped their judgment and made him too much of a perfect hero. Uh, it wasn't dull. Uh, we enjoy even watching it a second and a time, but it uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I'm always impressed with a show that will take risks. But it definitely was not good. I think I, I told you at, at some point, and we can get more into this when we cover the whole season, that a lot of the scripts for this show felt like they could use another draft or two. There's and probably four or five more drafts. It felt that there were some decent ideas in here. Yes, 100%. And I'm all about a tortured backstory. Give me a tortured backstory, sadness, death, all that shit. But you got to... You gotta be a little bit subtle. You can't be just hammering people over the head with it. And uh, I think it was really marred by the alleged comic subplot with the uh, body in the hot tub. If you can't find a way to put the patrol guys in your main story, maybe don't have them in the episode. It was basically the equivalent of flinging the patrol guys in a cannon into a hot tub, and the hot tub being the episode in this metaphor. That was based... That, it, it, just freaked everyone out. Didn't make sense. Freaked everyone out? <gasps> what? I think the show could have, the main story could have used a few more minutes to breathe more and be developed a little bit better. Have some quiet moments. Let it sink in. Don't do two guns akimbo. It's dumb. <laughs> Unless you make it really look really cool, it looks dumb. Is it time for this town to go boom? Yeah. All right. So I would say (laughs) that this is the police procedural that I'll have you shouting, what the freak? But the episode certainly puts the boom in Boomtown! (laughs) Boomtown! Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s. So all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.